Hi everyone. So welcome to the live stream today. This is the final session in our discussion on IAS 16, property, plants and equipment as we continue with our discussion towards the ICA April 2022 examination. Now in case you missed the part one, the part two, the part three, and then how to study all the standards together, you can check the description of this video because uh, uh, the, 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 those videos are available in the description and you can watch them so that you'll be able to follow through and understand well what we are doing. But today we want to really tie the pieces together relating to IAS 16, property, plants and equipment. So far we have covered the issue in relation to IAS 2, inventories, IFRS 5, uh, uh, non-current asset held for sale and discontinued operation, and then IAS 8, accounting policies, changes in accounting estimates and errors. So um, these are the standards that we've covered so far and you can get to watch them on YouTube here or you can also listen to uh, the audio versions on all your uh, podcast streaming platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Pod, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, uh, Google Podcast, any podcast you are on, you can actually get access to it and then you can listen to the uh, lecture as well. And remember to subscribe when you are on these platforms. So I see some of you guys joining. You are welcome. Give us a thumbs up on the video. Share the video. Let us reach as many students as possible. If you are listening to the audio also, remember to share the podcast and subscribe and follow wherever pla whichever platform that you are on. So I want to go straight up into our discussion for today, IAS 16 Property Plants and Equipment, looking at the final part of the discussion and seeing what we can do in order for us to looking at the uh, in order to increase our chances of passing the exam so let me share my screen and then let's just take it from there real quick right so we concluded yesterday on the uh, revaluation of assets and we emphasize on the fact that when it comes to the revaluation of assets three things must be known as students going into the exam hall on uh, IAS 16. And I mentioned also that IAS 16 is more or less like the fundamental accounting standard that must be understood because our understanding of IAS 16, sorry about that. Our understanding of IAS 16 will help us in a number of other standards like the following. IAS 40, IAS 23, IAS 20, okay, very, very important. IAS 37, IAS 12, <laughs> okay, IAS 36, all right, IFRS 16, okay. So when you are dealing with IAS 16, it has connection, it has relationship with all these standards. <laughs> that is the beauty of IAS 16. It has connection with all of these standards. So IAS 40, investment property, IAS 23, borrowing cost, IAS 20, government grants, IAS 37, provisions, contingent liabilities, contingent assets, IAS 12, income tax, and then IAS 38, uh, uh, IS 36, rather, impairment, and then IFRS 16 leases. So all these standards have relationship with IAS 16. So it is very important we understand the fundamentals of IAS 16 so that we will be able to really apply the knowledge when we get to the other standards and how they connect together. 
So what are we saying? What we are mentioning is that yesterday we shared our thoughts that when it comes to revaluation of assets, three things we must know because revaluation can be done at the beginning of the year. Revaluation can be done at the end of the year and revaluation can be done midway through the year. Now, it depends on when the revaluation is done and how it should be accounted for. What we shared our thoughts on was that when the depreciation uh, revaluation is done at the beginning of the year, then depreciation for that year will be calculated on the revalued amount. That is what you see in your table there, on the revalued amount. Then what is going to be happening is that any surplus or gain is going to be taken into the OCI and then accounted for in that particular manner. So let's share some thoughts on how these things actually add up together on dealing with the revaluation. So revaluation. So let's share our thoughts on how this actually goes up. Now, so when it comes to revaluation, like we emphasized yesterday, it's going to be comparing the current amount of the assets, comparing the current amount of the assets against or with the fair value of the assets. You compare the current amount of the asset with the fair value of the asset. That is uh, the comparison. Now, so what is going to be happening is that when we compare, two things are likely to come up. Now, these are the key principles that you must make sure you understand here as we uh, uh, conclude on this and take our full question for the day. Now, so one, we can have revaluation surplus. So there is going to be a revaluation surplus or revaluation gain when we realize that the fair value of the asset is greater than the carrying amount of the asset or better still, the carrying amount of the asset is less than the fair value of the asset. So if the way the entity is carrying the asset in its book, the, in, in its books, the, the figure is less than the fair value, how much that asset can be sold for in the market among market participants, then we say that it results into what? A revaluation surplus or a revaluation gain. Now, we said that if there was a revaluation uh, gain or when there is a revaluation gain or revaluation surplus, how do we treat it? So let's look at the accounting treatment. That is where it's going to be getting exciting in a moment. So the accounting treatment. So how do we do the, the treatment relating to revaluation surplus? There is what is called the default treatment and then the alternative treatment. So let me talk about the default treatment. So the default treatment. Now stay with me carefully as we unpack this principle very well. Now the default treatment is where an asset is revalued for the first time. Okay, and it results into a revaluation surplus. Okay, so it is a first time revaluation of PPE resulting into a revaluation surplus. That's it. So an entity buys an asset, let's say four years ago, then it is this this year is the first time they decided to revalue the asset. So if they decided to revalue the assets this year, the question is, how do we treat it? That is the default treatment. 
Now, the default treatment for revaluation surplus is that because it's a revaluation surplus, general entry is we're going to be debiting property, plants, and equipment because the asset value must go up. And then we credit the other comprehensive income and the revaluation surplus accounts in that particular case. Okay, that is the default treatment. No worries, no headache, no nothing. Da 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 da. We go away. We go away. But but this is one thing that you have to understand. Because of the upward revaluation, what is going to be happening is that the entity is going to be charging or may charge more depreciation than it is supposed to have charged, especially when uh, revaluation is done at the beginning of the year or midway through the year. So where revaluation is done, where revaluation is done at the start of the year, or midway through the year through the year or mid-year or mid-year let me keep it that way <laughs> or mid-year the depreciation for the year for the year will be higher due to the revaluation due to the revaluation now why is that going to be the case that is going to be the case because revaluation or assets are or depreciation is calculated on the revalued amount okay so this is because depreciation is calculated depreciation is calculated on the revalued amounts. So what is what we are saying here is that when the asset is revalued and it results into a revaluation surplus and revaluation gain, and especially the asset was revalued midway through the year or at the start of the year, then the depreciation for that year will be based on the revalued amounts. For that reason, we are likely to charge more depreciation than we are supposed to charge. Now, what then happens is that if we charge more depreciation than we are supposed to charge, meaning that the profit for the year is going to what? Reduce. Are you following it? So the profit for the year is going to reduce. Now, when the profit for the year reduces, what happens to retain earnings? It means the retain earnings will also reduce, which means that shareholders will not get enough profit or the entity will not be able to have enough profit to be distributed to the shareholders as their profit for the year. For that reason, we must compensate shareholders. This compensation of shareholders is what we refer to as the annual transfer. Okay? is what we refer to as the annual transfer from the revaluation surplus to the retained earnings. The annual transfer from the revaluation surplus to the retained earnings. So what is the meaning of that? It simply means that because the shareholders must be compensated and we have revalued an asset more than it's supposed to, we have charged more depreciation than we are supposed to charge, what is going to be happening is that we need to compensate them. Now, how do we compensate them? The transfer is calculated as the revaluation surplus, okay, divided by the remaining useful life of the asset, 
Now, this is the remaining useful life at the date of the revaluation. The remaining useful life at the date of the revaluation times x over 12. Now, I am bringing the x over 12 because of timing ratio, so that in case the revaluation was done midway through the year, then the annual transfer will also have to be what? Uh, done midway in the year. Okay. Alternatively, alternatively, the transfer can also be determined by looking at depreciation on the carrying amount. Looking at depreciation on the carrying amount. Okay. Against depreciation on the revalued amount. Let me exchange it because the one on the revalued amount will be higher if we are dealing with revaluation surplus. So let me bring that one rather down. Does that make sense? To make it simpler on me. Okay, so we look at the, in that case, I need to write this down. <laughs> so depreciation. on the revalued amount. We compare that with the depreciation on the carrying amount. The difference between that is the excess depreciation. It is this excess depreciation that we are saying that it should be added to the, the retained earnings. Okay and deducted from the revaluation surplus. Sounds good, sounds good, sounds good. I hope you are following the picture. In case you don't get it, let me know in the chat box. I see some of you guys joining, you are welcome. Give us a thumbs up on the video. Share the video, let's reach as many students as possible. If you have any questions, put it in the chat for me. Uh, for those of you on YouTube, and then put it in the comments uh, for me, for those of you who are watching us on Facebook as well, and uh, if there are any questions, you put it down for me like that. So, so that is what we mean by the annual transfer. Does that make sense? So you have to decide whichever place you want to go with. Now, this annual transfer, the double entry is what I've just stated down. You're going to debit the revaluation surplus account because remember you credited it here. Okay? Remember you credited it here. For the initial recognition, you credited it. So now what is going to be happening is that you debit it, meaning you subtract it. That is why I use the word subtract. Now, actually, even though we're going to be, we are talking about debit this, credit this, in the exam hall, you're not going to be doing debit and credit. In the exam hall, you're going to be deducting or adding. You're going to be negating or positiving, if I can say that. So even though we are saying debit revaluation surplus, and credit retained earnings, what we are trying to tell you is that add it to the retained earnings for the year, subtract it from the revaluation surplus figure that is going to go into the statement of financial uh, position. So that is going to be crediting retained earnings in that manner. And all these things occur in the statement of changes in equity. Statement of changes in equity. So these workings are going to be happening in the statement of changes in equity. That is what we mean by the default treatment for revaluation 
surplus. The default treatment for revaluation surplus. Any questions for me, please? Any questions for me, please? Put it in the chat for me. That's the default treatment. So if for the first time an entity revaluates assets and the revaluation results into uh, a surplus, this is what we're going to be doing. But let's look at the alternative treatment. So that is the default treatment. Let's look at the second one, the alternative treatment. The alternative treatment. Now, the alternative treatment is where we are revaluing an asset and it is now surplus in the current year, but it was uh, revalued previously and it was, ha it was having a loss. So get a, get a picture very well. So with the alternative treatment, it is where uh, we are revaluing an asset for the second time, but then previously it had been revalued upward. Okay, so it is subsequent revaluation. Revaluation of a previously downward revalued asset. Now, I'm going to explain this to you, but I want to take you to revaluation surplus, then I'll come back and come and explain this to you. So I'm going to just leave this page like this and then go to revaluation surplus and then I'll show you the difference between the two. So let's go to the second one, revaluation surplus, because I want you to really get how the two add up together. Because the revaluation surplus also has the default treatment and it has the alternative treatment. It has the default treatment and then the alternative treatment as well in that particular case. So if we are dealing with loss, sorry, revaluation loss. So if we are dealing with revaluation loss, what is the default treatment? Let's do that first. Let's look at the default treatment. Now, the default treatment is, this is where an asset is revalued for the first time and results into what? A loss. Okay? So, it is the revaluation of an asset. It is the revaluation of an asset resulting into a loss. That's the thing. That's the thing. First time, okay, first time. You are revaluing the asset for the first time and it results into a loss. What do we do? Since it is a loss, all you do is to debit the profit or loss account with the revaluation loss you got and then you credit the property, plant, and equipment. What does that mean? It means that you subtract it from the uh, property, plant, and equipment. That is what we mean by crediting PPE. So you subtract it from the PPE uh, of the entity, okay, that's what we mean by credit. So you subtract it, and then you also take it, do it as a, treat it as expenses in the statement of profit or loss. So that is the default treatment. Now, so get, get me well, because I'm going to merge this with this one. So let's say for the first year, you revalue the asset, and the asset resulted into a loss. So in year one, this is what we're talking about. So in year one, let me pull a scenario up. Let's say in year one, the current amount of the asset is 20000 But then the fair value of the asset is, let's say, 18000 
Okay, so immediately we realize that there is a revaluation loss of 2000 We are saying that this loss should be debited to the profit or loss account. So you debit the profit or loss account with a 2000 Sounds good. And then you credit a PPE with a 2000 Are you following me carefully? So this is year one. And that is the default treatment for revaluation loss. That's the default treatment for revaluation loss. So let me take you to year two. Look at what happens in year two. So in year two, let's say that now the current amount of the asset, it's whatever. Let's say 16000 But then the fair value of the asset now, okay, the fair value of the asset now. So in year one, it was a loss. But then in year two, the fair value of the asset now has risen to 20,000. Stay with me carefully. Stay with me carefully. So in year two, your carrying amount is 16,000. The fair value is 20,000. So it means this is a revaluation surplus of what? 4,000. So there is a revaluation surplus of 4,000 here. Are you following the picture well? Now, this revaluation surplus of 4,000, how do you treat it? The way we treat this 4,000 is that we must go back and write off part in the PL. Now, assuming it wasn't that the asset had previously suffered an impairment of 2000 we would have debited the uh, PPE and then credited OCI and revaluation surplus. But in this case, you're not going to do that. That is the rule I'm establishing here, the alternative treatment for the revaluation surplus. So if it is a subsequent revaluation of a previously uh, downward revalued asset, what is going to be happening is that first, we're going to be debiting the profit or loss account. Okay, stay with me carefully. We're going to debit the profit or loss account. Okay, then, then you credit your PPE coming in. Then the balancing figure, if there is any, will now be credited to the revaluation surplus and OCI. I'm going to explain that to you in a moment. Stay with me carefully so you understand it. So if we are revaluing the asset this year, and it is a gain, but then in the previous year, the asset has suffered a loss, we go back and write off the loss equivalent to that. So the gain is recognized in there. So the gain is first recognized. in the profit or loss account or in profit or loss equivalent to any previous loss on the same asset. It is the excess of this that is carried <coughs> to other comprehensive income, OCI, and the revaluation surplus. Does that make sense? Are you following very well? I see some of you guys joining. You are welcome. This is the final session of our discussion on PPE, property plant and equipment. Give us a thumbs up on the video if you're getting some values already. And share the video also. Let us reach many students. Comment in the comment section any questions you have for me, and then in the chat box uh, on YouTube, also any questions you have for me in that case. So 
That is the alternative treatment. So what are we going to do? So if I go back to my illustration, now in the year two, we are having a revaluation surplus of 4,000. 4,000. So what we're going to happen is that we will first, yes, we will credit PP with the 4,000 because it's a loss. But then we'll first go to the PNL and uh, go and bring the amount in the PNL there. I'm coming. It's a loss. Okay, since some chat coming in. Okay, so let's go back. So we are saying that what is going to be happening is that there is an, I'm, I'm going to take this principle again. So there is an upward revaluation from a previously uh, impaired asset. Now, if it was impaired previously, we debit P&L and then credit uh, uh, PPE. But then now there is an upward revaluation in the assets. The question we ask ourselves is, how are we going to be treating that? The way we treat that, like I mentioned, is that because it's an upward revaluation, I changed the principle. Let me do the correction on that. My The English written is correct, but the double entry is what is problematic. So let me correct it, the double entry. Sorry about that. Uh, so we will debit first PPE because it's an upward revaluation. Okay. But then you will credit profit or loss first. Okay, you credit profit or loss. I changed the rule, <laughs> the double entry, and it's got to be make sure. Then the excess is what go to the revaluation surplus. This is this should be the double entry instead. Sorry about that. This should be the double entry. Now the English is not wrong. It is the double entry that I had a problem that I made a mistake on. So we debit PPE, then you credit the PNL. You credit the PNL, then any excess is what will go to the OCI in that particular case. Any excess that will go to the OCI in that particular case. Now, I see some comments coming in. I'm going to be reading all your comments. Any questions, put it in the chat and give us a thumbs up on the video. It really helps us a lot to reach a lot of students. So if I go back to this question, there's a revaluation surplus of 4,000. So what's my double entry? I'm going to debit PPE with a 4,000. Stay with me. Stay with me carefully to get the illustration well. Mm. Then I'm going to credit profit or loss with how much? I will credit profit or loss with the previously revaluation loss recognized in, the, in year one, which was 2,000. So I'll credit it equivalent to that 2,000. The excess, which is 2,000, is what to be credited to OCI and then the revaluation surplus. Does that make sense? That's what we are talking about. That is what we are talking about in that particular case. Any questions, please? Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? So that is the treatment. So that is the alternative treatment for revaluation surplus. Remember we said the default treatment, you don't need any miracle. You just debit PPE and then you credit OCI and revaluation surplus. You don't need any miracle for that. But then in the alternative treatment where we are revaluing the asset this year, but it was revalued last year and it was having a downward revaluation, then 
the surplus we are getting this year must be written in the PNL off against the loss uh, recognized last year, and any excess is what is taken to the PNL account. Any questions for me, please? Any questions for me? Then <clears throat> let's look at the final part of the revaluation loss. Let's get the final part of the revaluation loss. Now, the final part of the revaluation loss is remember, I said revaluation loss also. This is where your carrying value is greater than the fair value, or your fair value is less than your carrying value. It's the same thing. So, you are carrying the asset higher than the amount at which the asset can be sold in the marketplace. Okay, higher than the assets can be sold in the marketplace. So what do we do? We said we debit PL and credit PPE. We debit PL and credit PPE. Very simple, sweet, straight to the point. Let's look at the alternative treatment for revaluation loss. The alternative treatment. Now, the alternative treatment for revaluation loss is. For instance, for instance, when we have the issue about um, previously upward revalued asset, and then now we revalue it and it is downward, the same thing is going to happen. So this is a subsequent downward revaluation from a previously upward revalued asset. So subsequent downward revaluation. from a previously upward revalued asset. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? Again, I'm going to use an illustration to show you what exactly we're talking about here so that you get a context of what is going on here. So let, let, let's take an illustration. Again, let's say in year one, um, we have an asset. The current amount is, let's say, 10,000. <clears> then the fair value of the asset is uh, 15000 So of the records, it means we're going to have a revaluation surplus of $5,000. Like we mentioned, this revaluation surplus, $5,000, will be debited to the PPE. That's the double entry. We add it to the PPE, and then we credit the OCI and also the revaluation surplus account, subject to the fact that there is no annual transfer. Okay, That's the double entry. That's year one. Okay, now in year two, let's say that the current amount of the asset is now, let's say, after depreciation, 13000 But then the fair value of the assets is, let's say, um, 10000 Stay with me carefully. Stay with me carefully. Meaning that in year two, there is going to be a revaluation loss of 3000 how should we treat this loss? The treatment of this loss is not a first-time loss because last year, the asset was revalued and it had a gain. But in this year, when we revalued it, it is getting a loss. So what are we saying? When there is a subsequent loss from a previously revalued upward asset, the loss must be written off first in the OCI and any excess will be uh, taken to the PL accounts. <laughs> Are you getting that very well? So in this case, let's put a principle down. The revaluation loss shall be 
written off against revaluation surplus in the OCI. And it should be equivalent to the previously recognized to the previously recognized revaluation loss. Any excess is taken to the PL. Any excess is taken to the PL. So, so so what does that mean? It means this, this is the journal entry. You're gonna debit your OCI and debit revaluation surplus. Now, when we say debit OCI or debit revaluation surplus, we mean subtract it. Okay, we mean subtract it. Okay. Then you're gonna credit your PPE, definitely because it's a loss. Then the excess above the revaluation surplus account, what is left there is what will be taken to the profit or loss account. It's what we take into the profit or loss account. This is what we are talking about. This is what we are talking about. So if I go back to my illustration, if I go back to my illustration here, you see that in the first year we were having 5,000 in the revaluation surplus account. But in the second year, we are having revaluation loss of 3,000. So you don't take the revaluation loss of 3,000 in the second year straight up into the financial, into the PL accounts. The first thing you do is that you're going to debit the revaluation loss. And since you have 5,000 in the revaluation loss, you debit it with 3,000. That's all. And then you credit PPE with 3,000. So now if you go to the statement of financial position, the current amount of the revaluation loss is now going to be 5,000, what we recognized last year, minus 3,000. How much that is being, uh, the loss that is being recognized this year. So 2,000 becomes the current amount of the revaluation surplus in the statement of financial position. So you are debiting revaluation surplus as well as what? The OCI. This is what we mean by revaluation of assets. Any questions for me, please? 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 And I'm seeing some comments coming in. Let's see if I can take some of them real quick and then we continue. If you have any questions, please put it in the chat for me, for those of you on YouTube. And then you put it in the comment section for those of you on uh, Facebook as well, so that we can get it going in that case. Um, Jane said, thank you, lecturer. I'm Rwandan. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Ethel. I don't know if I can mention that name. Ethel. Agble, forgive me if I don't mention your name right, okay? Hello, Shira. Hi, Ethel. Thanks for joining us. Collins Adebayo said, please, will this be uploaded on YouTube? Yeah, definitely it will be available on YouTube. Um, Amadou Abdul Mumin said, good evening. Watching live from Ahafo, Kenyasi. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Osmanu Amankwa said, Amwakwa said, hi, Shira, watching from watching you live from Winneba. Thank you, Osmanu, for joining us. And then uh, Sinclair Chutu said, hi, Shira, my first time to attend your live lectures. Uh, Sinclair Chutu from Zambia. Thank you for joining us, Sinclair. 
and uh make sure you share the video with your colleagues in zambia we want to get into places well then jane you're also in rwanda please share the video as well let's get to many students there so that we can assist a lot of students because we have over 600 videos on the channel here and uh covering a lot of topics that we can really assist a lot of people in that particular case sinclair said go through again in shira okay i'm gonna do that again uh nick peter said watching from wa okay nick thanks for joining us thanks for joining us nick then erifol sohank said hi watching from london thank you very much for joining us uh erifol sohank forgive me if i don't mention your name right okay but thanks for joining us uh from london uh Put in the comment section any questions you have for me. Put in the chat box any questions you have for me. Um, Sinclair said I should go through it again, so I'm going to run through it again so that we make sure we understand this very well because revaluation of assets is an interesting area, but it treatment, it's also a bit some way. So let me bring up my screen again so that uh, we can go through that one more time. You ready? Let's see. So let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Okay, so we started here. So what we're saying here is that um, we're comparing the carrying amount to the fair value. That's how we determine uh, the issue about uh, revaluation of assets. So the first thing is revaluation surplus. Now, if there is a revaluation surplus, it means that the fair value of the asset is greater than the carrying amount of the asset. Okay, so how do we account for it? When there is a revaluation surplus, there are two ways it could be accounted for. We have the default treatment and then the alternative treatment. The default treatment is where this is the first time the entity is revaluing the asset. So if this is the first time the entity is revaluing the asset, then what is going to be happening by default is that we are going to get a revaluation surplus for the first time. For that reason, you debit your PPE account. Okay, you debit your PPE and then you credit OCI and revaluation surplus. It ends there. That is the default approach. No headache, no thoughts, nothing again. But then... There is uh, a, 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 an annual transfer that may be charged because of the fact that there is what? That revaluation surplus. Because when an asset is revalued, especially at the start of the year or midway through the year, it means depreciation must be calculated on the revalued amount. When we calculate depreciation on the revalued amount, what is going to happen is that we will charge more depreciation than we should have charged based on the carrying amount of the asset based on the carrying amount of the asset. So what is going to be happening? What is going to be happening is that we must compensate the shareholders for the excess depreciation arising from the revaluation of the asset and for the reduction in the profit due to the excess depreciation. How do we get that transfer? By comparing the depreciation based on the revalued amount and the depreciation based on the carrying amount. The difference between that is the excess depreciation and that excess depreciation is added to the retained earnings and paid out as dividend to the shareholders. So you add that to the retained earnings and subtract that from the revaluation surplus. And that is what we say that the journal entry is to debit the revaluation surplus and credit the retained earnings. Uh, are you getting the journey? So are you getting the explanation so far? So that is the alternative, sorry, that is the default treatment for revaluation. But we're saying that there is also an alternative treatment. But before I come to the alternative treatment, let me take you to revaluation loss. 
Now, when there is a revaluation loss also, two things will come on board. There could be a default treatment or there could be an alternative treatment. But then there is a revaluation loss when the fair value, the amount at which the asset is being sold currently, is great less than, sorry, is less than the current amount of the asset. Now, in that case, if for the first time we revalue our asset and we result into a loss, that is the default treatment. We don't need any miracle for that one. So all we do is that must be written off in the PL. So what do we do? We debit PL, it becomes an expenses in the PL account, and we deduct it from the PPE. Uh, uh, to be taken to the statement of financial position. Very sweet, simple, straight to the point. But then what happens is that when we... Re so this is the default treatment of revaluation loss. So if in the first year like that we have had a revaluation loss, so I use this example here, that for instance, in year one, an asset has a carrying amount of, say, 20,000. And then we revalue it to 18,000. Okay, so now there is a revaluation loss of 2000 Because it is the first year, that revaluation loss will directly be recognized in the PL account. Very sweet, simple, straight to the point. But when we come to the second year, the current amount of the asset is 16000 but now the fair value of the asset is 20000 So you realize that now the value of the asset has gone up. So there is a revaluation surplus of $4,000. The question we ask ourselves is, how do we treat that revaluation surplus of 4000 in the second year when the asset was revalued in the first year and it resulted into a loss? That is where the alternative treatment of revaluation loss comes in. So what we said is that uh, the gain is first recognized in the profit or loss account equivalent to any previous loss on the same asset. It is the excess that will be carried to the OCI and the revaluation surplus account. So the double entry or the journal entry is that, yes, it is a, it's again, we will debit PPE, but then we will first go and credit the profit or loss account. If there is still more surplus like that, then after crediting the profit or loss account equivalent to the previously recognized loss, the previous year's loss, then we will bring the excess into the revaluation surplus account. That was what I illustrated with this one. So that 4,000, which is the gain we are getting in year two, is debited to PPE, no problem, but we'll first credit the profit or loss equivalent to the loss we recognize in the year one, 2,000. Then the excess, which is 2,000, is what we take to the OCI, and the revaluation surplus account. That is what we are talking about here. Sinclair Tutor. Let me know if that makes sense for you now. Let me know if that makes sense for you now. Any other questions, please? Any other questions? Any other questions? I see some of you guys joining. You are welcome. Uh, give us a thumbs up on the video. It helps us a lot to get a video uh, promoted by YouTube as well as on Facebook. So give us a thumbs up on the video. Really, really helps us a lot. In case you don't subscribe to the channel also, make sure you subscribe to the channel or hit the follow button on Facebook as well. If you are listening to the audio also on Spotify or any streaming uh, podcast streaming platform also, uh, consider to follow, leave us a review, and it will help us a lot to for these platforms to push 
these content so we can reach many students and help them across the country. Let's take some questions real quick and then we go on. John Yame said, uh, hi, Inshi, uh, watching from East Legon, Ghana, really enjoying the class. That's great. Uh, John, thanks for joining me and thanks for enjoying it. Abudu said, please kindly take previous upward uh, revaluation and subsequent downward. Okay, I think I've taken that uh, Abdu, Amadu, sorry. So Amadu, let me know if that makes sense for you because I took it again with uh, the question from Sinclair Chutu. John Yami said, God bless you. God bless you to John for joining us. It's always a pleasure coming your way. Uh, Adonko Richard. Forgive me if I don't mention your name right, okay? Adongo Richard. Did you, see, did you hear what I said? I said Adonko Richard. But this is Adongo Richard. Did I say Richard? Richmond. Come on. Good evening. Good work. Good evening, uh, Richmond. Thanks for joining us on the live stream. Really, really a pleasure. Uh, Sinclair Tutor said, understood. Thanks a lot, sir. Always a pleasure. Um, Amadou said, that's clear. Many thanks. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. So any other questions, please put it in the chat. Put it in the comment for me. Uh, any questions you have for me uh, and as we go ahead. Now, I want us to take a question now. Let me make a final statement. Then we'll take a question. Then we go. So let's see. Let me bring up my screen again. The, the, the final thing about revaluation is, is what I'm about to say. So make sure you stay with me carefully. I'm not going to dive deeper into it, but it is something that you need to really understand in that particular case. Now, revaluation of assets has some implications. One of the implications of revaluation of assets is deferred tax. Deferred tax. This is IAS 12. So when you're doing IAS 12, when an entity revalues the assets, either it is upward revaluation or downward revaluation, as far as there is a revaluation, it is going to result into a deferred tax. And that could be a deferred tax asset or a deferred tax liability. And we'll talk about that later on. But I want you to know that when you're learning IAS 16, this is where your deferred tax issue is going to be coming up. So a revaluation surplus could result into a deferred tax uh, asset or a deferred tax liability in that particular case. So that's one thing you must take care of. But uh, I'm not going to go through that because uh, we will do. We may do IAS 12 later on. And when we do IAS 12, then we will now marry the two standards. Then you'll be able to get the principle in that case. Richmond said, Sir, which of the revaluation amount do we always calculate the tax on? Uh, the tax is always on the revaluation. Uh, no, the tax, it depends. Like I said, I'll teach this later on. But, you know, tax is that the deferred tax is going to be calculated on the temporary difference. Okay, on the temporary difference, which is the difference between probably the revalued amount uh, and then the uh, tax base of the asset. Because the difference between the two, that it's what results into the temporary difference. So if you want the deferred tax, DT is going to be your temporary difference times the tax rate. 
But then you have to understand that when you get that deferred tax, whether it is liability of, or asset, it will have to be splitted between the other comprehensive income and then the profit or loss. The portion of that deferred tax that goes to the other comprehensive income is the one coming in from the revaluation surplus. Okay, so the revaluation surplus you get times the tax rate is what goes to the OCI, then the balancing figure is what goes to the PL account. Like I said, when we do IAS 12, then we can bring uh, the knowledge together. So, Richmond, uh, the question you asked, that is the breakdown of what you're going to be doing in that particular case. Let me know if that makes sense for you, Richmond. Let me know if that makes sense for you. Okay, so let's take a question and uh, try to bring all these together. Okay, so this is a question we have here, core candy. Um, like I said, uh, the slide I'm using in these live streams are from my financial reporting or corporate reporting book, a new book that we have released. So you can get this question. This question is also an, uh, I don't know, I think an ACCA past question, I guess. So I'm going to bring it here so that we go through. So you can take a screenshot if you want to. If you are listening to the podcast, unfortunately, you would have to uh, come to Facebook and then, sorry, come to YouTube and then you forward this video to uh, 49 minutes, and then you'll be able to get a question so that you can follow along as you listen to the audio, or you can just listen attentively, and you'll be able to also get it. So let's go. The requirement here is simple. The examiner said prepare extra from the profit or loss in other comprehensive income for candy for the year ended 30th September 2014, and for the statement of financial position as at the same date, with regards to property plans and equipment. Okay, so let's see what we got here. So the extras from the trial balance of Candy as at 30th September 2014. So we see an extra coming in. Now we are dealing with PPE here. So we're going to set out our working sheet straight up. So put the name of the company up always. So Candy. So we will do our workings. Now, so the way we structure our workings will be based on the information we have available in the question. So we see land, we see building, we see plants and equipment. So it's our property, plants and equipment. So the three elements are there. So we're going to be having land. We will have building. We'll have plants and equipment. Make sure you write that in full. Then we'll have the total coming in. Um, I think we're working three zeros up, slashing our currency signs. Okay. Then we bring in the data as provided in the question. The examiner said, land and building at cost is 55,000, but, but, but the land is 5 million, the building will be what? 
So if the total is 50,000, that means, and land is 5 million or 5,000, that means the building is going to be 50,000. So we bring in the cost, 5,000, 50,000. Then we see accumulated depreciation at 1st October 20X, 2013. Now remember, we are preparing the financial statement for 30th September 2014. So the, the, the beginning of the year, this is the accumulated depreciation as at the beginning of the year. So we're going to be bringing building 20,000. So accumulated depreciation. Land is not depreciated, but the building will be brought here. Then plant and equipment at cost is also 58,500. So 58,500, but there's an accumulated depreciation on that of 34,500. So we less that as well. So let's get a carrying amount as at the beginning of the year. So carrying amount, and that's at 1st October 2013. Land is still 5,000, but our building is now going to be 30,000. Then let's do the PPE 58,500 minus 34,500. I'm getting 24,000. Now, certainly you add and then you work the total columns, okay? You add and then you work the total columns. So that is the information available from their trial balance, from their trial balance. So this is the position of the property, plant, and equipment of the company as at the beginning of the year, as at the beginning of the year. Okay, so let's go and then let's read a footnote because probably that is where a lot of things will come up. So let's look at it. The following notes are relevant. Non-current assets. The price of property has increased significantly in recent years. And on 1st October 2013, now when is 1st October 2013? The beginning of the year. And on 1st October 2013, the directors uh, decided to revalue the land and building. The directors accepted the report of an independent surveyor who valued the land at 8 million and the building at 39 million on that date. On that date. So it means that the revaluation is being done at the beginning of the year. Now, if revaluation is done at the beginning of the year, what did we say? It means the depreciation for the year ended 30th September 2014 will be done on the revalued amount. Okay? Will be done on the revalued amount. That's very, very critical for you to uh, have that at the back of your mind. So let's bring it up. Let's bring in the revalued amount. Revalued amount. Land is 8,000. Building is 39,000. And so the balancing figure gives us revaluation surplus. How do we know it's surplus? Because, I mean, the revalued amount is greater than the current amount. That's simple, right? So 3,000 here and 9,000 here. 
Okay? Let's go. The remaining life of the building at 1st October 2013 was 15 years. Okay, that's fine. Now, Candy does not make annual transfer to retain earnings. Candy does not make annual transfer, meaning that even though there is an upward revaluation, which means more depreciation is going to be charged, they don't make annual transfer. Sounds good. Now, so I'm going to solve the question without the annual transfer. Then I'll solve it again with the annual transfer. So you see how the treatment goes. Are you getting the idea? So we're going to do the two. We're going to do the two. Uh, plant and equipment is depreciated at 12 and half per annum using the reducing balance basis method. No depreciation has yet been charged on non-current assets and depreciation are charged to cost of sales. Okay, so it means plant and equipment was not revalued. So that is still going to be 24,000. It means our revaluation surplus is 12,000 Ghana cities. So let's calculate the depreciation for the year ended. Like we said, land is not depreciated, but the building is going to be 39,000 over 15. That was the remaining useful life. So 39,000 divided by 15, I'm getting 2,600. Then the building is 12.5% of that. So 12.5% of 24,000. So 0.125 times 24,000. I'm getting 3,000. So the total depreciation we are charging on property, plants, and equipment is going to be 5,600. Okay? Like I said, you can fill in the total columns. So let's get a carrying amount at the end of the year. So carrying amount, still 8,000 here. This is our 30th September 2014, the end of the year in the question. So 39,000 minus 2,600. I'm getting 36,400 plus 21,000. So let's add it up. Plus 8,000. I'm getting 65,400 for the total PPE. That's the workings. We are done. We are done. So the revaluation surplus goes to the revaluation surplus and OCI. The depreciation figure goes to the PL. And then the carrying amount goes to the statement of financial position. Carrying amount goes to the statement of financial position. Now, in the question, the examiner said two things. He said the company doesn't make annual transfer. And also that depreciation is charged to cost of sales. So, uh, like I said, I'll solve the question as per the way the examiner is saying it. No annual transfer. Then I'll look at it when the annual transfer is made. So let's look at the financial statement. So statement of comprehensive income. There's an extract. Bring in our currency sign. So cost of sales. Now, let me say this. Presentation is very important when you are dealing with uh, 
financial reporting and corporate reporting. So you have to be mindful of the way you present your work generally. Oh, why? My pencil. Give me a moment. Just misbehaving all of a sudden. Okay, let's see if we're good now. All right, better. So cost of sales. So presentation is very important. That is why you see the way I've presented the work. Okay, now somebody can do the land separately, the building separately, the property separately, and try to add them up together. It's all going to be right, but find out the way you can present that it will be reasonable, it will be clear, and, and, and it will make your work simple, and you will save some time as well in the exam hall. So under cost of sales, we're going to have the depreciation. And that's going to come in from our workings. Then the total depreciation we had is 5,600. That's an expense. So we put that in brackets, 5,600 in brackets. Then we go to the other comprehensive income. Now, it appears that this asset was not previously or has not been revalued previously. So the whole revaluation surplus is going to come here. The revaluation surplus is going to be coming here. And that is going to be an amount of 12000 That's it. Then you go to your statement of financial position. Also an extract. Make sure you write all these in full. I'm just jumping over. We go to the non-current assets. And so we will have property, plants, and equipment. Make sure you write that in full. And from our workings, it's 65400 Then we come to equity. And under equity, we will have the revaluation surplus. And that is 12,000. This is the answer to the question for Candy. Any questions, please? Any questions, please? Any questions? Any questions? This is the answer to the question on Candy. This is the answer to the question on Candy. So I see some chats coming in. Let me see that. Abdul said, please, it means that when depreciation is shared to cost of sales, the impact on profit or loss is ignored, right? How? Why will you say that? It's not ignored. Cost of sales is in the profit or loss. Your sales minus cost of sales gives you gross profit. Gross profit minus operating expenses gives you net profit. So the impact on profit is, is there, whether it is in the cost of sales or in the operating expenses. It's, it's there. It's not ignored. Okay? The impact of profit is not ignored. It is there. All right. All right. So this is the question 
assuming we are just going by the books, that a company does not make annual transfers. Okay. Abdul said, okay, all right. But then what if the company makes an annual transfer? Like, how will it look like? Now, if the company makes an annual transfer, technically, uh, nothing would change. It's only the uh, revaluation surplus, the current amount of the revaluation surplus that we are taking to the statement of financial position that is going to be changing a little bit. So look at it. If the entity makes uh, an annual transfer. Please let me know if you have any questions about the question we're solving. So where can the mix an annual transfer? So like I told you earlier, please be careful here. Annual transfer is made on depreciable assets. So the annual transfer is always made on depreciable assets. Now, why did I make that statement? Because if you go back to this question, you realize that the whole revaluation surplus is 12,000. Now, even though the revaluation surplus is 12,000, land is not a depreciable asset. So we didn't depreciate the land. So shareholders are not losing any money because of land. Profit is not reducing because of land. What is causing the profit to reduce is because of the building. So our annual transfer will be in respect of the building alone. The building alone. The building alone. That is very, very important. So look at how it goes. There are two ways we could present that. So we could bring the depreciation on the revalued amount. So depreciation on building on the revalued amount, RA, from our workings, that was 2,600. Okay. 2,600. Then we bring in depreciation of building because the building is a depreciable asset. But this time around, on the carrying amount. Now, assuming we, we didn't revalue the asset, how much would have been the depreciation? The depreciation would have been the carrying amount, which is 30,000 divided by the remaining useful life. And that's 15 years. So that would have been 2,000. So if we hadn't revalued the asset, we would have charged a depreciation of just 2,000. So if we check it out, you see that there is an excess depreciation of 600. There's an excess depreciation of 600. So this excess depreciation is what we say you add to retain earnings and subtract it from what? The revaluation surplus. That's one way to get it. Another way to get it is simply to say the annual transfer will be equal to the revaluation surplus for the building, which is the 9,000, divided by the remaining life of 15 years. And that gives you an amount of 600 the same way. 
So it depends. Whichever you are comfortable with, go for it. Whichever you are comfortable with, go for it. Whichever you are comfortable with, go for it. Now, so that 600 must be accounted for. Like I mentioned, the movement in that 600 goes to the statement of changes in equity. Okay, so the only thing that is going to happen is in the face of the statement of financial position. So in the statement of financial position, when there is annual transfer, I'm just copying this to bring this up. Copy. So our statement of financial position will look like this if there is an annual transfer. So the revaluation surplus figure, it's going to be 12000 minus the 600, which is the transfer we are making. So we have 11400 Then we're going to have the retained earnings coming in. which is the 600. That's the difference. That's the difference because the movement occurs in the statement of changes in equity. If there was a deferred tax, if there was a deferred tax, that would have been done in the OCI because deferred tax occurs in the OCI. But if there is movement from revaluation surplus to retain earnings, it occurs not in the OCI, but in the statement of changes in equity. Any questions, please? That is the answer to the question, and that is what we mean by... Now, this is an introductory level question. Like I said, there could be tax in coming in, there could be impairment of assets coming in, and all that coming in for you to really have a holistic understanding of the whole thing in that particular case. Any questions for me, please? Sinclair said, which Day, which do you have the live lectures? I think you're asking which day do we have the live lectures. It's the weekday, Monday uh, Monday to Friday, or sometimes Tuesdays to Friday, 4.30 p.m. Uh, here, so 4.30 p.m. GMT. So you can follow me as well on Instagram uh, because the discussion for each day is posted on my Instagram page at Inshira Premium, the same name on the channel, so that you can... Uh, get a notification if it relates to something you are learning, then you'll be able to join. If it doesn't relate to something you are learning, but it relates to something that a colleague is learning or a friend is learning, then you can notify them about it. So that is the issue about this one. Any questions, please? Any questions? So that's 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 the idea about IAS 16, property plans and equipment. Like I said, this is the part four in our discussion in the IFRS masterclass. The part one, we spoke about how you study the accounting standards. In case you missed that, check the description of this video. You can watch that. The way you learn the standards together, I taught that. In the part two, we started with IAS 12 inventories. Then we came to IAS, uh, IFRS 5, non-current asset held for sale, because the rules in IAS 2 applies to IFRS 15. So we look at that. Then we came to IAS 8, accounting policies, changes in accounting estimates and errors. Then from there, we came to IAS 16, property, plants, and equipment. So you can check the description of this video and go through the four-part series so you can study well for the examination. If you are listening to the audio podcast also, you can check the podcast list and you'll be able to watch IAS 2, IAS 8, uh, IFRS 5 and then the IAS 16 in
connection with all of these in that case. So that is the issue about IIS 16. Any questions, please? Any questions, please? I'm going to conclude around here today. And uh, God willing, tomorrow we're going to be continuing with our discussion tomorrow. Uh, we are looking at uh, what we're going to be taking tomorrow. So follow me on Instagram. And the detail for tomorrow's discussion will be posted on my Instagram page. If it relates to something you are learning, then you'll be able to join, like I said. If it doesn't relate to what you are learning, but you know a colleague or a friend learning, you can share with that person so the person can join the live stream and uh, be part of the family. So that's it about that. Uh, thank you very much, you guys, for joining the live stream. And uh, Isaac Idioba, Hariji Molbe, and then Boss Philip. Thank you for the thumbs up on Facebook. Really, really appreciate uh, it. Really, really appreciate it. Then on YouTube also, those of you who give, uh, give us a thumbs up on the video, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And for those of you who also are sharing the content, thank you very much. I really uh, appreciate that. In case you've not subscribed to the channel, make sure you subscribe to the channel and click the bell notification icon. That way, when I go live, you'll be the first person to be notified in that case. Sinclair Chutu said, um, thanks, sir. I'll be writing my chartered accountant Zambia, advanced financial reports, advisory level 3.0. Okay, okay, okay. So I hope that these lectures are helping you to be able to uh, really prepare for your exams and then pass your examination. Now, in case you have any inquiries, um, you could reach us at on WhatsApp 050-114-9296, 050-114-9296. You can see the, uh, uh, below your screen, uh, there are some texts moving there, scrollers or whatever it is. The number is there, or you can check what is on the page here, 050 uh, You can send her on WhatsApp. In case you want to enroll in our full course also, it's 390 Ghana Cedis per paper. To study directly under my mentorship, you'll be able to join our live Zoom sessions. You'll be able to be part of our community, learn directly under my mentorship, get access to all the lecture videos, ebooks, and also join our Executive Revision Masterclass to enable you prepare well for the examination. If you are interested in that also, you can visit our website, insurapremium.com. The first link in the description of this video, you visit insurapremium.com and you can enroll uh, in a course and uh, start studying well and get access to everything in that manner. Because of time constraints, we, are, we will not be able to do as much as we need to do in these live streams. But then if you enroll in our course, join our live Zoom sessions. That is where you're going to be getting the whole package so that you can prepare well for the examination and pass the exams in that particular case. So that's it about that. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, follow me on Instagram because the meeting details will be posted on Instagram. The topic to be discussed tomorrow and each day will be posted on Instagram so that you can follow and plan to join me on the live stream. So thank you very much. I'll catch you same time tomorrow as we continue with our discussion. Bye-bye.